10 Reasons Why Jay-Z Sat Out the National Anthem. Jay-Z only urges his fans to get up and wave, sucking off his song's honor. He's still depressed over Colin Kaepernick blowing off the NFL workout he negotiated on his behalf so he could reveal his true fake news rehabilitation colors. Black Power is sitting on your ass with the flyest girl in the game wearing your chain pre-fake news 13 years ago. He wanted all the social media attention refocused on how it was his idea to put J-Lo's Puerto Rican privileged baby in a play-fake cage. Beyonce sat in protest also because Demi Lovato looked and sounded too much like the white privileged version of Alabama Shakes. Can I get a holla for Doodle Dead Nation? I know you miss me. You're welcome. Glad to be back in your lives again. Ha! What did I come across as too mentally ill, unhinged, damn Bongino? I don't give a fuck. You've never made anyone electrified by your presence in your life ever. Ha! Jay-Z sought out the national anthem to prove nobody puts Jigga in a corner. A commercial about a cop who went to jail for shooting an innocent victim failed to give his spine an injection of any sustained stiffage in order to stand for the national anthem. Obama told him the lowest black unemployment numbers as a result of Trump's reversing his failed economic policies wasn't enough to make Michelle Obama proud of her country again. Jay-Z sat pissed off because back in the VIP room, Jeff Ross busted his ball saying, Hey, Jay, don't you think child separation could be a good thing? I mean, look how you turned out. Plus, if Coco never got separated from his parents, he never would have become a mini Los Lobos in the making. Jay-Z sat out the national anthem because he's still depressed knowing opening up for Hillary Hammer Time Conquer rallies failed to sell America and why baby boomer mom alcoholic deplorable knows best. It was Beyonce's idea to sit out the national anthem prompting the Queen of England to shout at the telly I thought Meghan Markle was a royal pain in the ass, forsaking her royal duties because I wouldn't support her making money off the royal name, hawking size 13 ballerina slippers worn by Princess Diana, only to be stretched beyond recognition by Michelle Obama on eBay. Joan lives. It's great to be back, people. This is gonna. This is a very exciting episode. I will not ramble, and I'm going to get to my second piece titled, You Fired, Pelosi! Here we go. Wouldn't it be great if Trump started acting like he fired Nancy Pelosi? Trump takes some questions from CNN before hopping on Air Force One tomorrow, Lago. What did he think of Nancy Pelosi tearing up your State of the Union address? Trump says, did I fire her already? She'll be fine, locked away in her wine cellar. Did I say wine cellar? I'm in panic room. Same thing. Another journalist says, you can't fire Nancy Pelosi, Mr. President. This isn't a reality TV show. Trump clarifies, relax. Nancy will find something else to do with her time, like feeding the pigeons in the dock of the bay. Forever ripped on overpriced Beaujolais. But Mr. President, if Nancy Pelosi is fired, why hasn't the White House made an official announcement yet? Trump says, dent your breath. It's constantly ripped. She won't know the difference anyway. I wouldn't keep her worth it honest. 
Her dentures are looser than Stormy Daniels at 15. Too bad her Cobra insurance won't cover her electric shock treatment because she can't write off her latest Trump derangement syndrome attack as a pre-existing condition before he started to make ball busting great again. Say, Nancy, my best for Mar-a-Lago. Maybe she gets some voiceover work where Pixar is one of the talking helium balloons and up. As her hope of one up in me flies away, look, it's a big dumb bird. No, it's the floating house representatives about to get crushed by a giant red wave because the old hag can't stop behaving like a spoiled trust fund millennial musketeer baby. Denture breath makes Hunter Biden come off his stomach. But Denture Breath can use me for a reference if anybody asks what she's accomplished for three whole years. But don't tell Nancy to expect a glowing recommendation from your favorite president forever. Ever, ever, ever. <laughs> like Trump would ever say that. Because I fired her for gross, incompetence, and capable of self-correcting behavior like Omarosa. Remember? Thank you very much! This is... A TED Talk that I plan on doing, assuming that they don't discriminate against me because of me being a pro-Trumpian, unemployed comedian. <laughs> and it's, uh, the subject is joy. So the subject of my TED Talk that I'm going to bless you guys with today is titled, Joy is Not Bombing at Parenting. Ha! Headline hookers are my forte for those of you just tuning into the Do It All Dad Year podcast as... I speak. Here we go. Joy's unplanned fatherhood and getting closer to my kids than I already am. But let's talk about unplanned fatherhood first. Three direct hits later. I never mastered the art of the pump fake, nor was I aware of what attachment parenting is. It's turning your bed into an open milk bar for the foreseeable future. Gen X parents understand our parents moved to the suburbs from the Bronx, not for better school systems, but just for another room upstairs for the baby to cry it out in making the moans of despair easier to bear. But God didn't give me three kids to have a panic attack over it. Obviously, God never had the same confidence in Pete Davidson, the boy toy voice of Generation Z. My wife says I've sacrificed. Shaq's like an aspiring comedian in his late 20s, one of kids ever. No wonder my wife didn't like this speech when she read it last night. Children are family upgrades, though, who kick your career passions into overdrive, leading to me finally getting my... TV writing break at VH1 Classic, writing all the heavy metal intro reads for WWE great Chris Jericho. Halfway into the shoot, Chris Jericho tells me his father played professional hockey in Canada. I reply, and that's why you're Chris Jericho, and I'm a knock-kneed Jew who couldn't dunk a basketball if my life depended on it. <laughs> what I've learned from unplanned fatherhood, three direct hits later, is why kids love back. Because you make them feel like the most important center of your universe instead of the reverse. Because when you say, I love you, it doesn't sound manufactured horse like you're forcing the issue to avoid a divorce. Famous humorous Victor Borg took laughter as the shortest distance between two people. So my main idea we're teaching dads the importance of being funnier around their kids. And to teach you how controlling our kids with comedy can make our kids wait again. My three fuss-free kids most of the time are living proof of it. Being funny around your kids is important because it's a difference between being a do-it-all dad and bombing a parenting, which is your kids never wanting to seek your own company again. <laughs> do-it-all dads matter because 70% of African American Americans, I hate whomever came up with that expression. You could go suck me off a long time. Let's rephrase that. Do-it-all dads matter because 70% of black people in America 
went up in jail are a result of fatherless homes. Much better. Despite Doodle Grandma's best efforts. Doodle Dads matter because only one out of three kids today live with their dads. And you wonder why college campuses today require safe spaces to soothe student nerves with Play-Doh whenever Big Bad Ben Shapiro is in town. We sent him my books. We'll see if he gets back to me. I'm not holding my breath. Uh, I'm just, I'm not praying. I just, I can see him getting jealous of my uh, laugh out loud funny Jew bun. Uh, and that's what I think. He's a very sick man. Let me see if I've completed the entire act. Do it all dads matter. The Williams sisters, Tiger Woods, Lonzo Ball, and the late great Kobe Bryant can all attribute a larger portion of their success to super involved do it all dads. For the record, I had reached out to Ben Shapiro. I sent him uh, my books, Control Make It to Comedy, a Love Story, and Do It All Dad This Jokes, and my comedy city resists this. You're welcome! All available for purchase right now with the hopes of getting on his show and so I can make fun of Babyface Omar and all the anti-Semites running wild in Congress and to have a platform where I could actually uh, sell some books uh, and some CDs and then uh, insist on my wife tell her parents that we're going to be raising all of our kids Jewish after just completing all the Jewish naming ceremonies uh, for all three. Uh, it only took nine years in the making, but uh, that process is now done. Uh, my son, Samuel, his name is Isaac. So Isaac in Hebrew means to laugh. When Sarah got knocked up, she was like 100. She's like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> the, uh, and she never had uh, a boy of her own. And, uh, and she had Isaac. So that, that's what that means. And as I've stated uh, on multiple occasions here, uh, my kids weren't planned, especially Samuel. <laughs> so I think someone, someone way deeper than me said, uh, if you want to make God laugh, make plans. I remember after my t- first two were born, I'm thinking, oh, I got this locked down. And then literally the only weekend away from my other two kids before Samuel was born, first time away in like eight years, a of mine, Jared, got married in Buffalo, and bada boom, bada bing, slide a mass out of pump fake, and my wife gets pregnant again. So, and God's like, okay, here's a curveball. That's what you got for getting me cocky, you New York big-headed Jew. So... How did I how did I go down this road? Oh, God. Every time I mention Ben Shapiro, I, I lose all sort of like excitable forward thrust in my life whatsoever. So yeah, so it would be nice if again the Ben Shapiro show, uh, just because I can make fun of him <laughs> for uh, dumping on Trump for acting uh, smarter um, than Trump and acting all knowing than Trump and uh, for getting schooled. <laughs> During some like interview in England where he was called an Islamophobe and Ben Shapiro failed to go after Obama hard. I mean, if I'm accused of Islamophobia on BBC, I go after Obama hard. I say, Obama loves Hitler. He wishes he was that organized. The opportunity to exterminate all of his Jewish critics of his new gifting Iran deal would be a gas. Can I get a holla for an A-plus joke that I took my time with? Could have been delivered any better because I'm off the Adderall forevermore in honor of my son Samuel's incoming birthday, which starts tomorrow. Am I still going to make Chris's mentally unstable because I'm frantic and I'm not a dullard jerk off insane? Hello.
So, I don't have anything against, like, Dan Bongino, Secret Service guy, popular conservative podcast. He's got some jerk-off or worse for him, and I reached out to him. And I don't, Matt Palumbo? I think that's his name. <laughs> Palumbo. The, um, so... I'm not going to say the name is as bad as uh, my daughter's art teacher, uh, Outhouse, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, it, it's not great either. But, yeah, so I sent him my comedy, I'm Resist This, and he didn't get back to me, so I got pissed off. And I said, hey, Matt, what do you think of the material so far? The anticipation is killing me. And then I didn't hear from him, and then I, I sent a note back on LinkedIn saying, you're an uptight douche, got it. Can I get a holla for... Completely antagonizing people that could help out my writing career and give me a platform <laughs> that haven't uh, demonized every Trump-supporting comedian in this country. Not that there are very many who are as funny as me. Holla! Not that they actually exist. Holla! That's why I'm still an unemployed comedian without a pot to piss in. Holla! <laughs> so, yeah, and, and so the, the response was, your comedy sucks, and people listening to this will think you're mentally ill. So, and yeah, I read this really, I read this quote by Dave Chappelle, uh, black supremacist incarnate, <laughs> by the way, in his last Netflix special, how did he defend Michael Jackson again from his Neverland accusers? So what was his uh, defense of Michael Jackson? Exactly. What do you say? All the Beatles royalty points in the world couldn't buy Michael love. Can I get a holla? We're finally nailing that premise. And for my, uh, and for my green dealer. In Connecticut, my buddy, for encouraging me to do something with that black supremacist concept that's never been uttered before. But here you go. I told you. A-plus episode. The best is yet to come. Holla. So, I loved hearing that in Trump State of the Union. The Because uh, yeah, I've always liked that expression from Frank. And I recall using in something. Maybe I sent to Trump. <laughs> I'm not accusing Trump of... Uh, you know, copyright infringement <laughs> or jockeying ideas. He does a pretty good job roughing on his own. I'm just so sick of everyone. Like every article you read these days, I'm trying to like look for like contact information of like Joe Rogan today. I gotta read this like boring article in the Atlantic. Oh well, you, you well, my problem with Joe is that he sees the value on people like Milo and all these like right wing fanatics. He's the like nice guys. Then he makes fun of the vegans. So he's really like a fake news good guy, and he's really just like a macho guy. That he just wants to be like friends. Everybody, it's like enough. Like this idea that like anyone that supports Trump is just like completely devoid of any like good humor or heart or charm or inherent goodness is ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. But like at this point, it's like I never. I had this old friend Perry. I love Perry and Perry. I'm so sorry we had all these fights. The um. And I haven't reached out to him, but ages ago, like during, like three years ago, like when Trump started running and, you know, and, you know, I started getting excited about Trump and he was making me laugh and the, um, and, you know, I had already soured on Obama just based on the, you know, I ran new gifting deal alone. And, and then the thing is, I remember him saying, I thought it was very pointy. He goes, why do you care like so much about like pleasing the other side? You know, the other side, you know, conservatives, Republicans, you know, a bunch of you know, Hicks on Breitbart that you got to quote fucking Corinthians every time there's some sort of transgender, you know, debate and, you know, they're always, you know, getting their panties in a bunch. And I'm thinking, 
Leonardo da Vinci made the Sistine Chapel. What have you done with your life that's so extraordinary exactly? So I just, like, at this point, and I, I remember thinking, well, you know, the reason why I care about the other side is because, you know, I don't know, my mom's from down south, from Kentucky, although a lot of people would say that's not, like, deep south, it's more like Midwest south, where, like, finger food is anything that tastes like your cousin's panties. Can I get a holla? For an old school joke. Actually, the first one I ever created uh, when I did open my comedy, but it was a tad more gross with the opener, which was my mom's from Kentucky, where finger food is anything that tastes like your daughter's panties. Holla! <laughs> which is way more gross. See, the cousin, and substituting cousins for, you know, daughter uh, makes a world of difference there, as you can see. So, you know, I cared about the other side because... I had this, because I've never like viewed myself as like this elitist, like pretentious douchebag. I mean, this time last year, I couldn't have been more excited for auditioning at the Apollo Theater, which I'm going to do this year. I got my books in order. They're done. And I can't wait. I can't wait to do material at the Apollo Theater. Because I've always, being a New Yorker, you know, I care about, you know, making the black man laugh. You know, it's important to me. The, uh, you know, they are the greatest, like, entertainers. I, I, but I don't even, like, think about that. It's just, I don't know, it's like a manly thing. I just, they got the best laughs, you know. And, yeah, they have been the most oppressed. I mean, like, I don't even care about making, like, my people, the Jews, laugh anymore. I, I really, I don't give a fuck. Because they're all hysterical. None of them could write. And on top of that, it's always like, I, I, I despise Trump. I despise I don't like the way he opened his mouth. How, how, how is that so? Every other thing he says is hilarious and pointed. It's a brilliant salesman. He's able to distill bullshit when he got exonerated. And he's addressing all of his loyal supporters in the White House to encapsulate everything and say it was all bullshit. How do you not love the refreshing honesty? Of a president like that after everything we've endured, America, there was W and 9-11, which wasn't too long ago. Obama, everything he said was full of shit. Supposed to be the most transparent president of all time. Obviously, it wasn't the case. We finally have one, and then all of a sudden, everyone wants to issue, everyone wants to restrict freedom of speech and say, well. You know, he's despicable, He everything he says is, is is too mean, and, you know, you have an, another side. Demas, I mean, his entire family, Nazi this, Nazi that, devaluing the word of racist, uh, referring to Antifa as good people. I mean, the world has gone completely ballistic. I mean, you would think that, like, Donald Trump was, like, the first loudmouth New York asshole who gave it to people twice as hard whenever they dared to fuck with him. I mean, have we become that sensitive of a culture? The military loves him. The cops love him. He's making our country safer. He's instituted policies to create more economic opportunity. What more do you want from a president? North Korea is no, no longer doing nuclear stress tests. Iran was shown their role, and remember to peep out of them since. Uh, what, what more do you want? Well, I know what I want. <laughs> I want sanctuary cities punished for harboring illegal, violent, rapist, 
drug dealing dreck that shouldn't be here in the first place. And B, <laughs> I want Google and I want Google and Facebook broken up. The uh, and C, I want everyone involved in this coup involving the media. Everyone in the deep state, the Brennans, the Comeys, I want them all in jail. Because, you know, I mean, again, America, just a little perspective. Russian collusion, okay? Remember that story, right? It was all based on a form of so-called sexual blackmail involving a so-called video of Trump requesting a couple of high-end Russian call girls to pee on each other, (laughs) in his hotel room in St. Petersburg. And this form of so-called sexual blackmail was used as the overriding justification to illegally spy on the Trump campaign, which got him the Pfizer warrants and everything that followed, (laughs) which all led back to Obama. So, and John McCain was responsible for like pushing this. Uh, The dossier, you know, through to the Department of Justice Knowing that President Trump never would have ordered two Russian hookers to peeing each other because he's a notorious germaphobe, which makes no sense at all whatsoever. I mean, his original wife Ivana with like the sunspot tits. I always perceive as more of a pearl necklace type, right? And also, Donald Trump could order a bunch of Ivanka lookalikes to do the same thing to each other at his hotel in D.C. anytime he likes. Can I get a holla? For nailing the golden shower premise. Long time. Well, forgetting to mention, he could always get Melania. Beautiful Melania. To wear a mink hat from Spies Like Us and talk dirty to the Don in Slovenian whenever he likes. Holla! Oh, but you can't make fun of Melania. You can't sexualize Melania. Oh, oh, don't make fun of Melania. What's so bad about celebrating the fact that she is the most beautiful, succulent, best-looking first lady since Jackie L. What's so wrong with that? I know she speaks five different languages. I know she's not an idiot. I think she looks like five million space bucks. Class personified. Yet, I slept to a freaking rally in New Jersey to sell CDs of Resist This. And I mentioned, uh, I, I do a joke about, hey, this is Donald Trump handing out Halloween candy outside the White House. Hey, kid. You want to know what Melania tastes like? Try some rock candy. Can I get a holla? For encapsulating the big Don's innate hilarity. Holla. Did I sound creepy right there? Guess my heart wasn't really in it. Holla. Don't say anything bad about Melania. (sighs) So, I'm going around and about here, folks, just to make my point that, A, moving forward, this podcast, not going to be about politics anymore. Bye-bye. Nice knowing you. Had had a fun time. Blowing up every friendship. Known to mankind. Finding my wife every two seconds. Contemplating. Never seeing my children ever again. While touring the freaking country. Finding some hack comedian that I could open up for. Telling jokes that I thought would find an audience. 
Meanwhile, I go to a Trump rally. I'm doing jokes about Jeff Ross. I'm in Jersey country. Nobody even knows what I'm talking about. Like this Jeff Ross. Roasting Jim Acosta. The CNN just shoved a microphone in front of anyone with good hair who, knows, who doesn't look too Tommy Lee alt-right-ish. It's a great joke. A bust joke. And now I got to think, oh, I'm only Musketeers. They don't know who Tommy Lee is. Why am I wasting my breath? So very frustrating. Now, I'm not going to say, oh, well, now I've realized that every Trump supporter is is some unsophisticated hick that's a mean person. That isn't good. That's beyond redemption. This is Not saying that. This is what I've learned. Most people don't give a shit about comedy. They don't care about the art form. And I got to be honest, I don't blame them. When we get to rely on freaking Ricky Jarvis, Mr. Atheist, to come over here, dump on our so-called stars, uh, and actually tell some laugh-out-loud jokes when there's something else. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, the, the, the last funniest thing Dice ever said was, hey, Trump stole my act. Okay, it's fine. But then, like, you hear Dice. It's like, F-bomb every two seconds. Dennis Slater's on stand-up in a gazillion years. And then you got Howard, Weird Week Howard, licking Hillary Hammertime cankles. Tainty, uh, you know, snatch. Or on that show, asking no horrible questions all whatsoever. So, you know, Nick DiPaolo, yeah, but he's doing like a podcast. You know, I get like the, the Bill O'Reilly thing. I mean, you know, that guy should have his own show. Not Seth Meyers. Oh, if you're not scared of Trump, then I'm on to my mom as much as Seth Meyers. So, you know, and Jeff Ross got the personality of a dead moth. Geraldo's dead. Patrice O'Neill's dead. Yeah, Bill, Bill Burr. Bill Burr is fine. I'm so happy for his success. Literally, 13 years ago, I was doing like a bringer show. It was like a Q&A. There was like a talent scout. They're like, what about Bill Burr? And when he went off in that crowd in Philly, I never would have, in a million years, have been capable of delivering that sort of venom on the spot. When my picked-upon, pussified teen self would have... Had not a breakdown, but the uh, I mean, you never know, but that was amazing. I remember back then, finally, I was doing like 300 shows a year, like, and I'm assuming he's doing that ever since. And he hasn't had three kids to look after, so you know, he's had no excuse. So I'm glad he's achieved what he has, but still, I'm watching a special when he performed in London. And I mean, Michelle Obama's up, okay. I wasn't laughing a long time. I wasn't just the material. I'm thinking, you're not this linguistic genius, or you're not this like super talented actor, act out guy like Russell Brand. So, and he's considered like the top of the game. David Tell, hey, how you doing, Crowder? Yeah, yeah. I used to be Jaeger, Jaeger, Jaeger. Okay, I'm done. Yeah, real brilliant, Colin Quinn. I'm Irish, uh, but I'm smart. I do political stuff. Uh, I do one-man jobs. Uh, okay. That was nice, Colin. Thanks. Uh, uh, Howard thinks I should be bigger. and uh, I'm more of an underrated genius. Okay, whatever. Nice knowing you, Colin. Jim Norton. Uh, I bang trannies. And uh, Opie and Anthony are, like, so funny. And, like, you know, they're the best. Okay. <laughs> Doug Stanhope. Uh, don't trust the government. Uh, all of my uh, fans are uh, degenerates. D- d- just do what they got to do to get by, and that's that. I like Arizona. Not an industry guy. Uh, 
you know, Johnny Depp, you know, we'll do coke, whatever, who cares? And not as do Adderall. So, I, no one cares. Gary Goldman, really? No one cares. Nobody cares about stand-up comedy anymore. You know, I got satellite radio now. I mean, you know, my mom, she's, her car, she's going to spend like more time here during the summer now. So they got a car. It's like parts of her freaking, like, you know, out, we don't have a garage, like outside of home. It's like super frustrating because I want my comedy Goldmobile to be there because I produce, produce nothing but A plus Gemery on doing all that, those jokes, controlling me get the comedy, a love story, and in this podcast. You're welcome again. But we are going to get that comedy Goldmobile, and that's going to be from our upcoming novel, Pitch Woman of the Year. Not blowing my load with the logline, but it's going to be a star vehicle for my daughter. And I'm going to prove to the world that the um, controlling our kids to comedy can make our kids great again, and that uh, my star-studded daughter is living proof of it. And I'm not saying star-studded like she's suffering from like gender dysmorphia or you know identifies with the. Uh, you know, RuPaul, like, I'm not saying that. All I'm saying is that she's a stud. <laughs> I call her Deltoids on for a reason. I play tackle basketball with her, and she's a freaking beast. So, and she's always been, I've always called her my funnier, sweeter twin. So now we're going to prove it. Because if I had to see one more picture of Judd Apatow's face, I'm going to kill myself. On Breitbart, oh, Breitbart. Like, just one more time. I just have that stupid mug. I, I, I can't handle anymore. His unattractive, boring, zero charismatic daughters. I googled that. Oh, that's so funny. Oh, God. So cutting edge. Uh, my daughter's avocado filled with dumps that exude more uh, funny girl gravitas than those girls could ever possibly ever conceive. I don't care which friendship doctor work freaking shut out, but I added my chest. It's an annoying wife. Yeah, so, yeah, so that's why I love the Trump rally. People don't care about comedy. And now, yeah, I also read this book by, like, Tommy Davidson, you know, and I'm like, okay, I'll read about it, you know, because, yeah, I'm getting, not serious, but, you know, I want to get out there and start performing again. Yeah, I'm doing open mic later tonight because I, I want to get my, my tattoo ready for the Apollo and, and do my best possible job. But, yeah, I mean, you know, I... I, I gotta hear like the oh, people asking about Trump. What do you think? Blah blah blah. And and then I found out like Arsenio got like his like panties in a bunch because they they he because uh, Keenan Ivory Wayne's made fun of him, call him a kiss ass, you know, around Eddie, which he was. But I mean, you know, Arsenio's funny and everything, but like you're not Eddie, and like you were like the best life ever. Now he was actually uh, one of the original stay-at-home dads. He got divorced and decided to like raise a kid. Uh, the height of his, you know, popularity. So, uh, you know, good for Arsenio. And he's aged well. I like Arsenio. Nonetheless, I'm thinking, like, yeah, these are the people that I care about impressing? I don't. <laughs> so, this all goes back to, you know, I'm done. I read this book by Billy Idol. He had an opportunity to record Lou Reed. And then, like, Lou Reed had, like, the goals. Like, yeah, I'm going to charge you for the privilege. And B- Billy Idol goes, fuck off, mate. And the point being is, F your role models. And, like, that's where I'm at. I am tired of, like, kissing Adam Carolla's ass in a letter and not getting a response back. It's like, give me a break, bud, okay? Give me a freaking break. You know, Mr. Phone Call, you know, uh, discussing anal warts with, uh, you know, uh, Susie from Pasadena, okay? I mean, you know, like, your independent films were, like, okay. 
All right, but like, let's, I mean, call him poor man's Woody, you know, films would be very generous, but I mean, you know, and, you know, Kimmel, oh, freaking Jimmy Kimmel, the, I don't care. I can't think of, like, there's not one host that hosts a, a so-called late night comedy show that I care about impressing. The people that I care about impressing was Anthony Bourdain, who I believe was being awakened and he was taken out for it. Uh, Kanye West. I do care about Kanye West. Kid Rock. Let's add Kid Rock to that list. Clint Eastwood. We sent him my bucks. And I, I, I care about getting the funny nod from Larry. I don't need it to like feel complete in life, but it'd be nice. But I know he's like a Trump hater too, and he's another, you know, jealous, you know, prick. The uh, inside, because. You know, let's face it, folks. I mean, that's why these entertainers are in constant freakout mode. They don't like not being the biggest name in the universe. And they're forced to feel like ineffectual jerk-offs, really. And, you know, they see Trump at these rallies and he's beloved. And you know, I mean, listen, I mean, I get it. You know, sometimes you're like, okay, yeah, I don't really like uh, Trump, uh, you know, just like riffing the entire time. But he can, knowing that, like, Ron White lives in Beverly Hills. <laughs> so he can get away with it. But... I, I did care, and I still care, you know, about uh, President Trump's opinion of my comedy because I believe that he is one of the uh, like natural comedic greats. I, like I put him up there with Rickles. I put him up there uh, with with Rickles. You know, Mel Brooks. So by the way, so I, I showed my daughter after uh, the Jewish name ceremony for my children. I, I showed her as a Jackie Mason like clip, like Jews vs Gentiles. And her exact response was, he talks too fast, and he's a total hack daddy. <laughs> so, that made me happy. <laughs> Felt actually better about myself that day. So, I am writing not one, not two, three novels in a row. All-star vehicles for my children. And the first one is going to be for Matilda, second was Corn Booth. I am going to write the great American Jew novel. <laughs> and I'm going to Pulitzer. <laughs> and... They'll never be able to take that away from me. You know, these are like comedy. You like you treat the kitty at the kids' table, but there's no reason why I can't do a story. It's got plenty of heart, romance, and you know, beautiful prose. That would make uh, that would give Gorbadal a stiffy from down under, right, 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 listeners? Because anyone that's ever you know sucked a schlong before is uh, condemned to uh, eternal uh, hellish damnation, according to your uh, strict uh, super evolved definition. So. Uh, that's what I'm doing. You know, my daughter, you know, I freaking interviewed for like a job to like interview business entrepreneurs in like South Carolina, South Carolina, nothing about, nothing against it. I was super excited about it. You know, didn't work out. The, uh, I had a nice talk, but I mean, you know, this, like originally it was okay. I'm going to do stand up so I could, I could write for TV and so I could become a better writer and then I went for TV. I'm like, okay, that was fun. Did a VH1 classic. I wrote a bunch of videos. You know, they used to like blow off Homer too, like the Cherry Pie video. That was awesome. And then, then, then I got hired again. And then like this, this hick from Cleveland decided to like wing it and uh, do his own material. And it was awful. It was like freaking brutal. So that sucked. And then, you know, what I've really enjoyed is, you know, just doing my own writing. You know, like I, I don't, and you know, that's been great about the internet, you know, as far as like the blog and this podcast and having this audience and, you know, I mean, nothing's really all changed that much. Still love the idea of being the voice of the remote work revolution, okay? 
I mean, everyone says about like what a fascinating uh, conversationalist Joe Rogan is. You know, like like it takes a genius to shut the fuck up and have Elon Musk smoke a blunt and and you know talk about you know his inner process, which like cannot have been more you know blood curling like boring. But you know, I mean, I, I'm really glad that you know you know Joe Rogan you know is all about us you know improving our workflow and uh, and I'm extra shiny teeth and and being you know. Uh, Badass self-sufficient. Great message. Wholeheartedly agree. Would have liked to see him be a little more hardcore with the censoring, shadow betting jerk-offs on Twitter, but, you know, nobody's perfect. But, you know, in Corolla, it's the same old, same old. Ah! So my daughter was saying, Daddy, no South Carolina, be hardcore. Staying in New York is hardcore. And of course, you know, I got a city right now where, you know, the uh, bail is no longer a requirement. So we're a sanctuary city. And, you know, so like the logical person, like, okay, I think it's time to flee from New York right now. But, you know, New York City is my first love. You know, I always felt cool in New York City. I always felt alive in New York City. I never felt like a bigger freaking loser than lived in Queens. With my uh, fiance now wife, we had this great place in Astoria overlooking the city. But you know, it like taunts you. It taunts like your broke ass, starless existence from afar. And uh, you know, for me, you know, you own real estate in Manhattan. Like I remember, I read about Bill Burr today. His house in freaking Las Feliz is sick. The um, and he saw it like a place in like Hell's Kitchen that he owns and. To me, that's awesome. Like, you know, you're, you're, you're a comedian or a writer, and you just own any real estate in Manhattan. Like, to me, that's the, that's the coolest. So I definitely still want to make that happen. And I want that happen to the Bucks. And I want a really smoking, hot, super talented, high-end Jewess agent slash editor <laughs> for my book. The, uh, that's based in Soho. That's what I care about, if I'm being brutally honest with myself. I slept to Jersey. It's still a dump. And now I know there are nice rich places in Jersey, but I'm never uprooting my family there. That's not happening anymore. And, you know, I'm glad that I realized that people as a whole don't give a flying fuck about the art of comedy. I don't really blame them these days. You know, when you listen to satellite radio, it's F-bombs every two seconds. Everyone sounds like a burnout. Never was. And... I have no idea why the crowd's laughing. So I'm thinking, okay, really? R- really, Michael? You want to spend all this time in comedy clubs, away from your family, away from creating, to be around you know, this drag that's make you feel like a deteriorating like loser in the process? Not happening. So we're going to become the great, best-selling American Jew novelist, and we're going to be as unapologetic about it as humanly possible. Speaking towards in Israel, because I do care about entertaining proud New York, unapologetic, non-self-hating Jews. I care about entertaining you. If you listen to this show, send me an email. Tell me what material I like. Feel free to stroke my nutsack. I like to connect. Donald Dad here at Outlook.com. I know you exist. I can't be the only one. 
I pray that I'll be inspired to have a beer with you. I want to introduce you to my perfect children for your entertainment pleasure. But back to joy is not bombing a parenting. Start using comedy on your kids early, even when they can only string two words together. My old routine at the deli with my daughter was this. Matilda, what did Tyson Chandler get the Knicks? She'd say, Bupkis, Daddy. Bupkis. The rod didn't work out too well for Michael Jackson and helicopter parents raised a generation of kids suffering from anxiety who attend pill parties for fun with 13 reasons on vinyl who take offense at everything, giving the impression they never had a sense of humor to lose in the first place. Controlling your kids to comedy is a sweet spot in the middle. Can I get a holler for transitioning beautifully and so seamlessly when I haven't done a freaking podcast in two months? You're welcome. I'm stroking myself off long time tonight. Holla! How did I come up with my concept of controlling my kids to comedy? One day, my four-year-old son was ranting and raving about going to daycare, and I was intent on writing new jokes as usual for my Do It All Dad Your podcast while looking after his newborn baby brother. I slapped my four-year-old son Arthur on the bum with mild force. My wind-up was two Mississippi Max. Later in the car, the fear of God engulfed my soul. As my son tells me, I'm never talking to you ever again. <laughs> now, I was bombing at parenting. Good enough yet, Ted, if I call your attention? That, that's too scripted. Because for me, bombing at parenting is your kids never seeking out your company again. Is Adam Carolla expressing this on his podcast? I don't think so. But then my improv 101 training from UCB and Second City kicked into full gear. And I started to have my own bum in the car with a fake new spatula. I said, Art Show. It's my nickname for my son, Arthur. I got it. Next time I get angry, I'll whip my own ass. Although I don't use the word ass because kids repeat naughty curse words. So I'll make up funnier, safe space, alternatives like anus hole, that sort of thing. Yeah, not anus material by Jim Gaffigan either, okay? Funny in spots. He's still a hick from Indiana. Another wonderful people in Indiana. It's just a New York thing. You're not from New York, you're a hick. Doesn't mean that you're not a gazillion times smarter than me, more accomplished, or have more money, or bag more checks. I don't care. You're still a hick. It's like an affectionate term. Unless I'm deriding a comedian that I think that I'm superior to, even though their career would obviously prove the complete opposite. <laughs> so the more I start whipping my own anus hole while driving my son to pre-K through a menacing fury, my son's tears began to subside. And I won the love of my son back through controlling my kid with comedy. Which is why getting more laughs from your kids is serious business. And the difference between winning your kids back and bombing and parenting forever. So there's so much more good stuff here. And I knew that I was being ultra ambitious. Thinking that I was just going to jam all this in here. Social justice is dad proving He's got the drive to outshine scary mommy at home, intent on growing closer 
to his children through comedy, even if it's only for five minutes of stage time before he tucks his kids in at night. So do it all, Dad Nation. <laughs> no wonder my wife um, hated this speech. So do it all, Dad Nation. Make the most of your stage time with your kids. Bombing at parenting isn't funny when you're the one doing it, which is why getting laughs is serious business because you make your kids laugh because the more you make your kids laugh, the closer you'll get. Controlling our kids through comedy can make our kids great again. My three fuss-free kids, most of the time, are living proof of it. Do it all, Dad Nation. I'll come up with a, a better expression. It's beginning to sound a little cheesy. I still like it a little bit. I give it a B. But, doodle dead past fans. That doesn't work either. <laughs> Previous engaged podcast listeners. <laughs> thought leaders on LinkedIn. <laughs> so, but folks, we'll go with folks. Folks. I love every single one of you that has ever downloaded my podcast that has encouraged me to become my strongest, most colorful, most hilarious, expressive self. Thank you for giving me continued motivation to fight back and to be who I am, to triple down on me, to do the books, to do the comedy CD, and to do my best celebration of my semi-crazy um, off-the-cuff straight shooting self. I want to thank the Big Don for encouraging that as well. Uh, I want to thank God for busting me with these beautiful children, for constantly giving me these awesome ideas that I have to work out myself. It's not like they just pop out of the freaking sky. But uh, I want to thank him for you know making you know my religion uh, and pleasing God and and making the most of that relationship uh, a very central driving force like in my life and for finding the perfect platform for this novel. Uh, where I write the Great American Jew novel while forming a, a book club with a bunch of um, high-end uh, Jewess milfs in the big city. Um, and <laughs> so uh, due to my uh, uh, daughter giving me this uh, bright idea in the first place because it is called Pitch Room of the Year. <laughs> and basically in the story, I, you know, I look for a, a Jewish grandma like milf uh, with benefits. <laughs> make my wife jealous. The, um, so it's going to be very comical. Uh, it's going to be happy ending. Uh, won't be too slutty. But there's going to be lots of you know, uh, sexualized flirtiness. A lot of unabashed Jewishness. A lot of shtick. Uh, but, and a lot of really heartwarming uh, moments you know, with me and my children. And don't worry, Gore Vidal. I'm not going to be doing actual recording. He, he refers to most writers as just... All they do is record in their lives. This is all going to be made up. Uh, and I can't wait to let the imagination run wild. So uh, next episode, I'm going to be reading to you uh, first of many pieces of what they call flash historical fiction, meaning it's in and out, not that long. And it's going to be about the story about the, the kid who invented the tradition of uh, the gambling dreidel game called Gimmel Be Good. <laughs> it's fantastic. Wife loved that, actually. She actually compared it. She said it was very, like, loony. Right over, it was a little Monty Python-esque. And uh, she's even able to tolerate you know, a couple of the uh, Trump references in there. So definitely a sign that uh, it's my least non-divisive material. And again, so, 
you know, I don't want to be this like black and white guy where I'm like, well, I only care about entertaining that half. At the same time, I say erotical empathy. Most people, I don't really care about like meeting you in the middle. And I've realized after seeing mental health specialists to please my wife, uh, that I do have a problem categorizing certain people in boxes. Saying, well, if you do this, you're that. But I mean, let's be honest, folks. I mean, you know, sometimes, you know, I got to just go on a message where I'd be like, okay, well, you know, that person's going to be, you know, a very absolutionist and like one said, extremists basically scrub everything, whether it's radical Islam or Orthodox Jews who spit on, you know, uh, you know, would spit on my wife if she was showing, you know, um, uh, a little skin in town, you know, if she had some, you know, cleavage to show. <laughs> but it, it's just extremists ruin everything. And I don't want to be that. Uh, extremist absolutionist. I mean, I, I do like the idea of being a better individual walking Phoenix and and not being such an a full-blown committed absolutionist prick. <laughs> but more importantly, um, you know, I've done the, hey, this, this is Twitter. I'm going to summarize Twitter right now. Look at me, Dad. I'm smart. That's Twitter for you. So I'm off Twitter. Been off Twitter for a while. Don't miss it one bit. And so I don't miss being shadow banned. But I do miss this show. I miss being able to storytell and converse and tell jokes. But now the jokes you're going to be hearing are going to be in the form of stories and characters. And, you know, we're going to prove to myself after all that, you know, maybe I do have uh, a smidget of acting uh, potential outside of me being the uh, loudmouth Jew who could play... Uh, an Italian, New Yorker, uh, wannabe metrosexual like Dice, which isn't really a stretch last time I checked. Love all of you folks uh, for listening and your sustained interest, and I will talk to you guys soon. Gimel, be good, will be next. And right now, Resist This is available on iTunes. And we got Control My Kids a Comedy, a love story, and Do It All Dad Does Jokes on Amazon for your consuming pleasure. The best is yet to come, and I'll talk to you guys soon. Mm-hmm.